0: Welcome to the Super Abundant Life Podcast. I'm your host, Olaumi Brickway, a transformational life coach and the creator of Super Abundant Woman, where we are teaching and equipping women who have a burning desire for significance to create an exceptionally successful and fulfilling life without burnout or stress. In the not-too-distant past, I myself was trapped in an agonizing cycle of failure and shame with my mind constantly dominated by negative emotions. But my life was dramatically transformed beyond my wildest dreams when I began to live by the power and the wisdom of God's word. My mission is to teach others to experience the same. On the Super Abundant Life podcast, we have only one goal teach and empower Christians to take full advantage of their rights and privileges in Christ so they can build exceptionally successful lives. Thank you for tuning in. I'm so glad you're here. Let's get started. Today is going to be a short one. I've just come with a word, a prophetic word of encouragement for someone. I'm pretty sure it will encourage everyone what I'm going to say today, but I also believe very strongly that there's someone that this is going to be more than just an encouragement and it will be a prophetic word that they'll say, wow, this is exactly what I needed to hear. So it's going to be quite short. So I just want to go straight into it we're looking at the parables of jesus and one in particular that i'm going to focus on today is the parable of the mustard seed and i'm going to read from matthew 13 there are just three verses that i'm going to read so let me read and then we will get into it it says in matthew 13 i'm reading new living translation from verses 31 to 33 it says here is another illustration jesus used the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree, and the birds come and make nests in its branches. Verse thirty-three, Matthew thirteen. Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like a yeast. It's like the yeast that a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough so i'm going to focus on the mustard seed one and like i said this is more of a prophetic word for somebody it will be a general encouragement to everyone else but a prophetic word to somebody look at this parable jesus said he didn't just say oh i I want to show you how agriculture works he basically said listen the reason why god created the earth to look like the way it does the reason why a baby a full-grown human being called a baby comes out of the tiny seed that you cannot see with the naked eye of a man's sperm and the egg come together and it starts as something that's not even visible to the naked eye and a child a live human being comes out of that he's saying god didn't just create it like that because he just wanted it to look like that he said that is a replica of how the kingdom of heaven Operates that is a replica of the system. So whenever Jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of God What he's basically saying is the system meaning the way God operates So you can substitute when he says the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed You can substitute that with the way God operates the way God operates is like a mustard seed that is planted in a field it is the smallest of all seeds but it becomes the largest of garden plants it grows into a tree and then the birds come and make nests in its branches he's telling us that that is the way god operates now what does that mean for us okay as christians as children of god even as human beings let us break down that little parable that jesus told number one He's saying that the way God operates is what? He always starts with a mustard seed. What does a mustard seed represent? Something that is insignificant. Something that is what? Insignificant. This is how God operates. Remember I said literally substitute. When Jesus said the kingdom of heaven, substitute that for the way God operates. Because that's what he's saying. He's not saying kingdom of heaven, like a geographical location. He's saying, these are the principles that God lives by. So he always begins with a mustard seed, a mustard seed, insignificant. Have you ever seen a mustard seed? I've gone looking for a mustard seed. (laughs) In fact, I saw one in the shops the other day, like a small bottle that had a bunch of mustard seeds. It is absolutely tiny. Right? And I'm like, what? You mean this mustard seed is what is going to grow into the largest, this massive tree that birds will come and lodge in it. So the first thing is why are you feeling inadequate? God has shown you something. God has put a dream in your heart. It says that the way God operates is to begin like the mustard seed that produces the largest tree, meaning he begins with something that appears completely insignificant compared to the outcome. So you look at your life and you look at where you know, God is asking you to move into. You look at the dream that you're carrying and you look at the resources in your hands and you're like, Oh, I'm disqualified because I don't have one, two, three, four, five. Oh, I'm disqualified because I don't look like this or I do not talk like this. I'm disqualified because other people have better things than me. Listen, the less, the advantages you have concerning a particular dream that God has put in your heart, the better you're standing for achieving that particular dream. Should I repeat that? The less the number of advantages that you have concerning a dream that God has put in your heart, the greater your chances of fulfilling that dream. You understand what I'm saying? So if you catalog, if you catalog everything that you have going for you. So God tells you, go and start a business. Let me use myself as an example. God said, go and start a business. I said me, business. How? Business. It had never crossed my mind. It had never entered into my consciousness. I grew up lovely parents, very professional minded they were you know their generation go to school go to university get a good degree then go and work for an established company like an oil company so meaning you had to do things like engineering you had to do things like medicine architecture or accountants i think there are only four or five things that our parents then accepted do you understand So you do all that. I was raised by parents like that. you get a good job, make sure you're in good standing, get a good pension. And basically that is it. So for me, anything that represented me advancing in life regarding the work of my hands was always tied to an organization like, Oh, I'm going to get to the top of my career. Oh, I want to become a thought leader in this industry, et cetera, et cetera. So it had never occurred to me that I was ever going to go into business. Are you following what I'm saying? So when God began to speak to me about no, 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 I want you to step out of within an organization, the influence and the impact that I want you to have is bigger than being contained within one building. And he began to talk about business. I said, Me business. The only one and only attempt that I had made at starting a business <laughs> was when I was in university and my sister even forced me. My sister is very Enterprising, okay, she, very enterprising. She'll be the one that say, Let's buy that one and sell it and then make profits. But me, never. So she convinced me, I remember, I think I was in like year two or year three at university. And then she came and she said, Oh, that she's going to Cotonou. So if you grew up in Lagos, you know what I'm talking about. That she's going to Cotonou and she was going to go and buy some clothes and then bring it back to sell. She's like, yeah, you invest in all you trendy girls. You know, there'll be lots of people to sell it to. I was like, I don't want to do this thing. I don't do business. Let me just face, <laughs> let me face the one that I know. But she convinced me, sell let's go. So I said, okay, fine. So we I can't even remember the journey. I mean, we left the country. Can you imagine? We left the country, went to another country to buy some clothes and then brought it back. And obviously, you know, we picked some really nice things. So I spent my money. She put some money in as well. I think she gave me most of the money, but I put a little bit of my money in. We bought the clothes. I came back to university and I was like, okay, well, so what am I going to do? So I sat out with my friends and I said, I have these clothes you want to buy. And I would basically, I just basically put everything down, showcased it. And people would come, have a look at it. And they say, oh, I like this one. I like this one. I like this one. I like this one. And they basically took what they wanted. I told them what the price was. And they took it and left. Do you know till today? I don't think maybe what person paid me. I mean, out of all the things that I bought, my sister asked me later that how far did you get your money back? I said, I didn't even make the money that we used <laughs> to pay for the trip to go to Cotonou. I said, I'm not cut out for this. I as in to go and say. Where's my money? I'm like, I will now be chasing people. I say, give me money. I beg, I So <laughs> for somebody like that, that was my only experience of running any kind of quote-unquote business prior to when God started talking to me about stepping out. I'm like, God, did you find the right address? Did you check your GPS properly? Are you sure it is this? child of yours that you're supposed to be talking to. And he said, yes, Like business business. How? I didn't even know where to start. And I realized, so the reason why I was able to step out is because I have walked with God. I know the character of God. I know that God picks the most insignificant things to do his stuff. If he show up for anything, and you feel like i have everything going for me i have this i have this go and check well i'm telling you go and check well whether god is inside that thing because he starts jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. And I told you that every time you read the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, it's not a geographical location. It is saying the way God operates literally substitute the kingdom of heaven for the way God operates is that he takes a mustard seed, meaning he always begins with something completely insignificant that when you compare the beginning and the outcome of that thing, you'll be like, how on earth, The same way you look at it, sperm and egg, they come together and it produces a live human being with eyes and nose and and mouth and kidney and liver. How on earth? You can't understand it. Do you understand? So my first question to you is why are you feeling inadequate just because this has happened that has happened somebody spoke to you and said oh and you didn't like the way they talk to you and then you are reclining into your shell like oh i can't do this i just don't understand how to do it i don't have the skills i don't have the expertise i'm telling you that that is the best place for you to be as far as god is concerned do you know what god really needs do you know the, what he needs in big quantities so all the external advantages he needs are in fact the least the smaller the better, but do you know what he needs in massive quantities that he will not compromise your heart. What is your attitude towards him? Are you obedient? Are you pliable in God's hands when he tells you to do something? Are you quick to jump on it and do it? He's looking for faith, he's looking for you to sort of come after him. So it's the heart, external advantages mean absolutely nothing as far as God is concerned so he always begins with a mustard seed a mustard seed is as insignificant as you can find compared to bringing out a tree all right that's the first thing the second thing and Jesus actually goes on to (laughs) to explain that number one it is the smallest of all the seeds but then it becomes the largest of trees So, God takes something that is the smallest, and then it becomes the largest. Do you see what I'm saying? So, when you look at yourself and you think, this thing that God is telling me to do, there's no way. There's no way. There's no way. A lot of us, unfortunately, we use that as an excuse to back out. You use it as a reason to say, "Ah, I don't think it can happen, and you back out me have, do you have you not read your bible <laughs> he's saying that this is how god operates meanwhile that is the exact reason that you should get excited that you should start jumping and you should start, you know say oh wow my goodness so that means i'm the mustard seed in this scenario i'm, I'm the mustard seed i'm the smallest i'm the smallest of the smallest That means I'm qualified, that means I'm exactly who God wants to use to revolutionize this industry. That means I'm exactly the person God wants to use to become CEO of that company. Do you understand what I'm saying? God goes for the smallest of the smallest in order to use that to create the largest of the large. Yeah. That's the second thing. The third thing is it says that it grows into a tree and the birds come and make nests in its branches. The third, so I'm breaking this little parable of two verses down into three things, which I'll reiterate and then I'll give you further examples. The third thing is, it says, the reason why he makes you into the largest tree or whatever it is, is so that the birds can come and make nests in your branches, Meaning it is ultimately for the advancement of people. It is ultimately for the advancement of people. I'm going to repeat this question throughout. I've come with a prophetic word. It will be a general word of encouragement for everyone. But for a couple of people in particular, it's a prophetic word. You will say, God, I know you're talking to me. Yeah. The question is, why exactly are you feeling inadequate? And why is that feeling of inadequacy paralyzing you? Why is it stopping you from moving forward? Jesus said, now let me reiterate those three things that I just said. From the parable of the mustard seed, this is how God operates. He begins with the mustard seed, which is what? The smallest, the most insignificant thing. So he's like saying, oh, okay, you're going to build a multi-billion dollar industry or corporation or something like that. Yeah. You will think, okay, for someone to do like that, that means your company is already generating maybe hundreds of millions and then you will scale to become multi-billion. That is how the logical mind would think, but it is saying here, if you want to get to the biggest of the biggest, you have to go and find the most insignificant thing as your starting point. So if your starting point is insignificant, it means you qualify. It means you are that mustard seed in that parable in the hands of God. That is cause for celebration. So if you catalog everything and you feel like I don't have the advantages that other people have, and you feel like I'm, I feel so insignificant compared to everyone else, I don't think I have the resources or whatever it is that I think I need to be able to do it. I don't feel like I can do it. You are the mustard seed. And the mustard seed did very well, didn't it? (laughs) It ended up being the biggest plant in the garden and also was able to accommodate other people. So number one, you have the mustard seed and insignificance is the criterion for God to use a human being. Yeah. Secondly, secondly, the growth is always massive. Do you understand that it says that it grows from the smallest to the largest so what god really wants to do is to showcase that this could not have been you he wants to use you to demonstrate his glory because if you could go from one to five by yourself he would say go ahead and do that but if he wanted to take you from one to a trillion people would have to stop by and say what on earth is going on there come and show me how you did that and that is how god gets the glory Yeah, that's the second reason why you cannot allow yourself for that feeling of inadequacy to paralyze you. And the third reason is like that tree, birds are waiting to come and lodge and build their nests in you. When that glory comes, God wants to use it to bless other people. Do you understand that? That in itself is enough reason so you look at your marriage now and you say hey what god is saying about where he wants to take my marriage if i compare it now we're not even talking to each other we hate each other's guts i just don't understand it. we barely talk so we only grunt at each other hmm hmm." (laughs) words don't come out again we just grunt or use eye you know eye signals to talk okay "Mm, mm," and shrug and god is saying you're going to be so close you're going to be so in love with you that people will be like, ah, get a room. You understand? He's telling you about intimacy. He's telling you about the impact that your marriage is going to have, how he's going to use your marriage to heal other people and to heal their own marriages, how your husband is going to be on fire for God and preaching the gospel. You're like this one, this man, are we talking about the same man preaching which gospel? He's a a sinner. How is this one going to preach the gospel? And you can't understand it. Yeah. But God is saying, that's how men operate. This is how I operate. This is how I operate. So you either take it or leave it. So you either run to God with that mustard seed that seems so insignificant and let him take you through the process of converting it into the biggest tree Or you despise it and you say, it's nothing. Nothing can ever come out of this and you move on. It's one of the two. Okay. Now, I want to quickly run through a few examples from the Bible to show you truly that this is how God operates. Look at Jesus himself. Jesus was born mm, dirt poor. You know they were poor. All right. They were poor. When I say they, I mean Mary and Joseph. They didn't have money. See, the, the person that owns everything, the person that was born to save the entire world, he was born in a manger without any pomp and pageantry in a smelly manger surrounded by dirty animals. Smelly. Just that. even you today, if they say go, 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 and, go, and maybe sit in a manger for one second, you say, I'm not going. Is that now the place that God allowed his child to be born? Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, to show you how ridiculous that is, when the wise men came, they were following the star, and they came to Jerusalem. Where did they go? They went to the palace. Because logically, a king, if he's born king of the Jews, he should be born in the palace. So they went to where logically he's supposed to be, to Aaron and to say, where is the king of the Jews? Do you see what I'm saying? The reason why Jesus was constantly a stumbling block to the Pharisees and all of those people was they just could not understand how this person could be the Messiah. He didn't look the part. He was like, how can this one be Messiah? It's not even, do you understand? It's like, he's sandal down, just trekking up and down, walk, 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 just walking up. He doesn't even have a camel. He doesn't even, <laughs> they despised him. They despised him. Ah, this is how God operates. So let's take another example. Moses. Moses was born with a silver spoon. So Prince of Egypt parading around like a peacock. Look look at me. I'm a prince. The most advanced civilization in the world at the time. And I sit at the helm of that kingdom. Did God use him when he was, a have you sat down to actually think about it? When he had all those advantages, did God call him? Did God say, okay, now, do you know what? Moses, I'm so glad that you are in Pharaoh's palace. I'm so glad you are a commander of armies. Now, I want you to secretly begin to use those armies that you have influence over. Begin to turn them over so that they will follow us. And then they will go and fight against Pharaoh. Did God ever call Moses? do that while he had all those advantages think about it think about what i'm saying no he tried to use his advantages to do the work of god and god says see this one just see this one my friend." God, sit down so god left him in the back side of the desert 40 years 40 years he was just the the guy had become something else he went from being a prince of egypt to being a shepherd herding animals all day smelly and you know that you can tell that i have something against bad smells <laughs> but literally someone that was sitting on cushions and they will wash him and they will put do his hair for him and all those things to now having to sleep beside sheep i mean you would think god why didn't you go for moses when he had all that influence when he had access to armies when he had access to weapons because no if you have all those things well I'm, you can go and do it on your own then when me i'm ready for you you will not be able to point to a single advantage that you have that qualifies you for that thing yeah that's another example paul <laughs> look at paul paul had so many he had read the Torah so much that every word that Paul spoke was Torah. If he wanted to go and eat, he would he would quote Torah. If he wanted to lie down to sleep, he would quote the Torah, the law. If he wanted to talk to somebody, he was always. He had studied the thing so much. He had studied under the best teachers of the law. But who did God send him to? God sent him and said, I don't know one. I'm sending you to the Gentiles. The Gentiles I didn't care. Do you know why Paul kept wanting to go to the Israelites? Because he could he knew that he could state his case. He knew that he could really argue and say, listen, let me tell you, the law says in XXS and really fights with the word with the law to destroy all their arguments. But God said, That's your own. Go to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles don't care about the law. So, Paul was sad, like, you mean I won't be able to be quoting the Torah again? I don't understand. All these Gentiles, they don't even know anything about the Torah. They don't even, when I quote something, like, what is he talking about? That's who God sent Paul to. And Paul himself said, Every advantage I have, I count it as dung. I mean, as nonsense. In literal terms, as poo. It's like, forget all that. Why? So that I can gain Christ. So that I can gain that. That inheritance, where God takes the insignificant and He converts it into the most significant. Do you understand that? Now let's look at Peter. I have two more examples after this. I want to really show you this, and like I said, this is a prophetic word to you, Peter. The opposite of Paul. You would have thought it was Peter that God would send to the Gentiles because the guy was crass. He was crass. He used to curse he had a temper he was unlearned meaning he didn't go to school i mean if you want to compare them now paul would have been like uh i don't know cambridge trained oxford trained like he would have gone to like five of the top universities he would have bsc mba phd and all those things compared to someone that didn't even finish college or high school If you want to think about in today's terms, so Peter was unlearned. He didn't go to school. He didn't go and sit at the feet of any doctor of the law. He didn't know anything except for what maybe his parents trained him to in the Torah. And he was just, anyhow, the guy used to behave anyhow. No regard, anything that pops into his head, he just said. And Jewish people were very orderly. You can't just do things anyhow. And this is the same person that God now said, oh, yeah, Peter, you go to the Jews. I mean, if I was writing that script, I would say, Paul, go to the Jews, Peter, with your Yamayama yama and your bad language and your bad behavior, go and speak to the Gentiles. They are heathens anyway. Do you understand? But God wanted to erase every advantage each person had. So he completely neutralized Paul's advantage of being trained extremely in the law and said, count it as done, because I want to retrain you. I want you to start from ground zero. David. David is my last example from the Bible. The Bible is littered with all these people. David, the youngest, number one, number two, Abby, to, to yourself, are you starting to get what I'm saying? David, according to some scholars, was 16 when he was anointed by Samuel to become king. He was relegated to the back. He wasn't, I mean, Eliab was stately. Eliab looked the part. Eliab was already an officer in Saul's army. Maybe he was a captain. I don't know. But the guy looked the part. That when Samuel showed up, as he said, Yes. Before me stands, the anointed was like, this guy is so impressive. He must be the one. And God said, no, he's not the one. It is the little one. brats, the one that is in the backside of the desert. That's the one I want to use. Why? Because he doesn't look the part. Because he does not look the part. So you're looking at yourself and yes, you are saying, Oh, but I don't have this. I don't have this. I don't have this. The thing that God really needs from me is the heart is the heart is the heart he's he says he's scanning and is looking for those whose hearts are turned towards him the only th- requirement god has for taking the mustard seeds to becoming the largest tree in the garden is a heart that is turned towards him if you're willing to follow god and obey him uh, if you're willing to allow him take you through the process that is all you require so Number one, why are you feeling inadequate about this thing that you know God is asking you to do? This dream that you have, this goal that you're reaching for, why are you feeling inadequate? And number two, why are you allowing that feeling of inadequacy to paralyze you? Because what you should really do with that feeling of inadequacy is to begin to dance, is to look at that parable and identify yourself as the mustard seed and to say, ah, I'm the mustard seed and you begin to dance like, oh, praise God. That means I'm useful in the hands of God. (laughs) The feeling of inadequacy will come. You can't escape it. All right. It is what you do with it. So the mustard seed will look at itself and say, but I'm the smallest of all the seeds, but I'm the smallest. You can't deny that fact. God is not asking you to deny the fact that there are certain disadvantages against you. No, he's not asking you to deny that fact. The mustard seed cannot deny that it's the smallest. But what he's saying is the fact that you are the smallest, acknowledge it, but then acknowledge it as the reason why God now wants to use you so that he can demonstrate his glory now i was speaking at somewhere i had a speaking engagement over the weekend and after i spent speaking someone asked me a question and people ask me this question a lot they said where is the place of you doing your part Like you being proactive and you working hard and all those things. And I answered, so I'm going to give the same answer right now because someone thinks, Oh, but I need this. I need this in order to do this. Doesn't God need me to do this or do that? Okay. Let me explain it to you. Any kind of advantages that you have, if it is not God that commissioned it for that journey in the eyes of men, it would take you some distance but it can never produce the outcome that God has for you. Let me explain what I mean. The mustard seed. Now, remember the Bible says, Jesus said that the mustard seed produced what? The largest tree. Meaning, if you go and find the biggest seed in that place, right, it will still not have produced the largest because God has reserved the largest tree for the mustard seed. Did you hear what i'm saying so you can say oh i'm going to go and do all these things anything you do anything you do outside of what god is directing you to do the principles of this world will kick in and you will get some results but if we're talking about the kind that is a mystery that will dazzle people that you yourself will be confused like How on earth did this happen that kind if that is what you want that kind of inheritance that the human mind cannot explain, then you come to God with no advantages and you begin to allow him direct you so if he now says okay you come to me i say god you know look at the color of my skin i've never seen anybody like looks like me become ceo of that kind of company look at the fact that i only have bsc from university of lagos most of these people have degrees from harvard from yale etc etc and god says i'm telling you just come to me the way they are so what would happen is there are certain instructions that god will give you there's certain things that he will prompt you to do when you carry out those spirit inspired actions they will produce the kind of outcome that people will be like what on earth do you understand what i'm saying but if by yourself you sit down you catalog your advantages and you say my advantages are not enough and then you go and try and use your brain to get more advantages you cannot in any way produce the inheritance of god case in point abraham and sarah God gave them a dream. God said to Abraham, It is not Eliezer that's going to be your heir. I'm going to give you a son. So they looked at themselves and they thought, And Tisera is barren. Not only is she barren, she's old. She's old and barren, like double And then Abraham, even though he wasn't barren, he was getting old. So they looked at that disadvantage and said, Oh, what should we do? That's what I'm saying. So when you look at it like I say, oh, I'm not qualified, I'm not qualified, I'm not, oh, I, I don't have the advantages, what can I do? When you start thinking like that, stop yourself. Stop yourself. When you start thinking, hey, but other people are better. No, listen, these things are not supposed to come out of your brain. You are supposed to take the, the disadvantages, the things that disqualify you, take them to God and say, God, you're the one that said i must mustard seed in this story. Oh yeah, let us go. Be directing me so that I can become the largest tree. They didn't take it to God. They didn't wait. They didn't ask any questions. They just said, "Oh, we have all these advantages. What can we do to increase our advantage? And they went and carried Hagar, but Hagar produced Ishmael, which is not the inheritance of God. That is what I'm saying. That's the difference. You're not supposed to allow your inadequacy, make you start to create things from your own brain or even paralyze and say, I'm not worthy. You're supposed to take that inadequacy to God and say, God, here's the starting point. What do we now do from this point? What do we now do from this point forward? Okay. That's how you do it. God wants you to grow. So notice that the mustard seed did not stay mustard seed. By the time the mustard seed keyed into the system of God, it experienced the greatest growth. But there's certain ways that God will expect you to grow. God is not the kind of person that just allows you, some Christians, to be lazy and just sit and say, "I'm not doing anything." Okay, He expects you to grow. If you listen to what I said a few minutes ago, I said there are two parallel systems. There's a system where you look at something, so I want to go for this job. At the moment, I look at myself. I'm not the kind of person they're looking for there. And that feeling of inadequacy, a lot of times will make people want to think, Oh, what should I do? Let me go and do this. Let me go, let me go and do that masters. Let me go and do this. Let me go and do that. Whatever it is. Yeah. I'm saying if you go that route, you will still get some results. The same way Abraham and Sarah decided to go and get Hagar and they produced Ishmael, you will get some results what you should do as a child of god however is to go to god and say this is my starting point at the moment from where i'm seeing from where i'm standing i don't look like i can get this kind of job then god now begins to show you exactly what you ought to do a lot of times it will be something that you had not thought of so if it's readily what you have thought of you came up with that idea go and ask him he might tell you actually no 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 for you it's not masters this is what i want you to do go to that particular manager that senior leader and go and ask to volunteer to work on this project and you're like but he will never accept me why would they accept because i'm telling you go i'm telling you go and then you go And for some reason, the guy was like, oh, absolutely. Yes, I would love for you. I need some help. I'd love for you to work with me on this project. And you work with the guy for six months and he trains you and you gain so much goodwill with him that by the end of the six months, you get promoted. I'm saying it is only in the hands of God, a mustard seed can become the largest tree in the garden. Your own works cannot produce the largest tree in the garden as in largest meaning the biggest meaning even if you take the biggest seed The one that God will produce will be better than what the biggest advantage could have produced. That is really what I've come to say. Let's not be the kind of Christians that basically just leave God out. You don't even ask his opinion. You don't present your desires to him and say, this is what I want to achieve. We basically just start and say, okay, what can I do? And you start scanning your environment. You don't check within yourself that which one should I do? Right? You just basically start and then go. You didn't pray. You didn't ask the Holy Spirit. You didn't ask him to show you in in his word. You didn't check for the prompting of the Holy Spirit like the inward witness as in which of these things should I do? One will produce some results. But if you're looking for the kind that will bring God ultimately the glory, where the birds of the air will come and make their nest in there, this is the way to go you feel inadequate that inadequacy can make you do one of two things. It can make you feel paralyzed where you never do anything like, Oh, I just got, it. I just don't do it. Yeah. Or it can make you to start scampering around, say, what can I do? What can I do? I don't do and then basically start acting out in the flesh. That's how the Bible describes it. But, if you look at the parable of the mustard seed, it says the mustard seed in the hands of God becomes the largest tree. It's a mystery. You can't explain how a tiny sperm and an egg, how they come together to produce a live human being. It's a mystery. Only God knows those secrets. Only God knows those secrets. It is the spirit of God that will unveil those secrets to you. He's the one that will tell you what to do. Literally so you take yourself to god rejoicing that oh i'm inadequate that means i'm the mustard seed and the mustard seed in the hands of god will become the largest tree in the garden and then you start worshiping him you start giving him thanks you pray in the spirit over it over that desire that you have you say god they say i'm not qualified okay now i've brought myself to you the unqualified what do i need to do and he begins to show you he begins to give you directions when you take those directions listen like i said you will be shocked you'll be shocked Where you will end up, you will be absolutely sure. This is what it means to live by the Spirit. To live by the Spirit is not goosebumps. To live by the Spirit is not like the Holy Spirit is just moving and wonderful time of worship. To live by the Spirit is to key into the mysteries and the secrets of the kingdom of God in the sea and then to bring it into expression on the earth. That is what it means to live by the Spirit. All right. So I'm going to end it there. I'll be back next week. Bye.